Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Hatzma, and with me, as always, is Mr. Daniel Ornelas. Happy 2017, Daniel. Happy New Year to you all. It's delicious. <laughs> well, okay, now I have to say it to everybody too, because I wished you, instead of you just giving it back to me, you decided to make me look bad by inviting the whole audience into it. So, <laughs> hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. And Daniel. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and no, you're not even invited, Daniel. That's true. Okay. No, I got you. I'm in timeout. That's rule number one of the podcast. (laughs) Well, hey, uh, you may have noticed that the music, uh, the intro music is a little different. We're going to talk about that in a second. We haven't switched up our music for the entire year, but we'll talk about that in a second. But first, Daniel, I want to ask you, have you made any uh, New Year's resolutions? Man, I started off by pulling my hamstring at the beginning of the year, on the, like, and I was like, "I'm going to run a marathon this year." So I haven't run a marathon before, and I thought I'll do that. And then right, I was I was actually on a cruise ship to to the Bahamas, and it was raining outside, so I decided still to go run in the rain on the top deck. And I was I think I was a bit tentative because of worrying about slipping. And then I was like, "I'm not going to slip out here," so I went inside and ran on the treadmill and totally pulled my hamstring but otherwise i'm fine <laughs> and <laughs> i started nice i actually injury. had a very similar kind of a deal i you know i i was like all right i'm gonna get ready this like like january's always get back in shape after the holidays yeah. time and and i immediately like man my leg is kind of sore and now all of a sudden it's like you have a slip disc we gotta do oh all kinds goodness. of crap so that's crazy it's getting old it's horrible it's not fun but another thing I'm doing definitely is um, a friend of mine um, that actually plays drums in a band with me he he read the whole bible last year which is it's a pretty rad thing and uh, it seems to me like you know when I'm just talking to him like he's definitely richer for it so I've got a I've got a bible plan that he used and um, it was actually something that Brenton Brown shared at a at a worship retreat in Montana with us Um, you know he'd said that you know for himself He'd actually always heard the Bible his whole life as a, as a believer. And he was like, man, what if I read the Bible for myself and I don't have any anything attached to it like from my past and from what I've been taught in church? So he went and bought a translation of the Bible that he hadn't um, hadn't really been familiar with. So it's called the Book of Mormon. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. And uh, he, bought a, he just bought a different translation. And he was like, I'm going to read this for the first time as if I've never heard it in my life before. And it was pretty amazing. He said it was life-changing for his faith uh, because he was like, this is crazy. There's some crazy stuff in the Bible, like a donkey that talks. (laughs) So for him, he said that it was... Now he's like, I'm not a Christian anymore. Yeah, totally. (laughs) No, so now he he quit touring with us and running around playing music as much. But now he's actually pastoring at a church, which is pretty rad. Um, And we still play a little bit here and there, but he's, he's totally pastoring people. And it's an amazing thing. I think it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I actually did a, uh, for my New Year's resolution this year, I was like, all right, I want to think about how to improve the overall uh, worship music at my church. So that was, wow. that was kind of, so I, so for those of you who know, like, who know kind of anybody who knows a little bit about my journey on worship leading, uh, you know, we talk so much about burnout <laughs> on this podcast about not burning out. And, yeah. uh, and for me, uh, part of that recovery process has been, I've been at a church for about 10 years now that I helped plant. And uh, a number of years ago, I took over as the as the worship pastor. I volunteered for a long time, and I took over as the worship pastor. And um, and and it was a really different environment than any other one that I'm sure that most people actually lead out of. And so, you know, yeah. I asked my team right off the bat. I was like, you know, what do you guys need? Like, we've been. I mean, we set up the sound system every week. We 
Like we've been, we have this mobile church. We've had it for like, you know, at the time it was like seven or eight years. Right. And it was like, what do you guys need? And people were just like, I just want to like get back to fun. Like, like, I don't really want to be on a schedule. Can you just call me the night before if you want me to play and I'll see if I can do it. And, and at the time I felt like, you know what, that's a hard thing to do, but I'm going to, I'll figure it out because at the end of the day, I can lead by myself if I need to, right? Like yeah. small enough church. I know what I'm doing. So if I just get up there and I'm like, Hey, we're just going to do some songs and I just bring my acoustic guitar. Like I can lead 150 people in worship. That's a piece of cake. So we did that for a while. And, you know, and so this year, rather I, I, I got done, I was like, okay, here's the fruit of that. You know, my pastor always says you kind of plant seeds along the way. And then when you're planting seeds, you're going to see what grows. Right. And so some th- really yeah. good things grow out of that and some like not so great things grow out of that. And so at, you know, kind of reflecting on the year kind of reflecting on our, our worship band, I'm like, you know what, this is really, what is it? What has grown here is yes, we have a lot of fun. Yes. People don't feel like they're being abused by the church, but then there's also that other, uh, side of it where it's like, okay, but we still need to take this seriously. Like worship is a very important part of the life of our community. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're good enough that we can all sit down and play. And it's, and it's like totally good. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's good. But I started thinking about, well, what are we communicating with our, with our level of commitment to it? I mean, I'm fully committed to it because I'm, I'm, it's my job, but yeah, you know, what am I communicating to everybody else? And so, so what we decided to do, I was like, okay, we are going to, we're going to do four bands and I want you to play with the same people every time because I'm, there's a couple of people I really want to develop and I think that'll help out. So I'm like, okay, there's going to be band for week one, band for week two, week three and week four. I'm on all those bands. I'm still leading all those bands, but on each band, I secretly have somebody who could lead potentially if I wasn't able to be there, which we haven't wow. had. It's always been like, Hey, can you lead, wor- can you lead worship this week? Uh, no. <laughs> like, all right uh, what are we gonna do so um so that's part of it and then the other thing was i really wanted to take uh something that we had done intermittently and make it more regular so you know rather than ha- like we practice on sunday morning and rather than just practicing on sunday morning now we are every once in a while i'd be like hey let's all get together at my house we'll play some songs come up with some arrangements and it'll be cool well now i've gone like okay if your team is on You are like, we'll have practice on either Wednesday or Tuesday night of that week. And it'll be at my house and we'll just all sit around and like just that team. And not only will we just like, here's the list, here's the songs we're going to play, but we'll actually sit down, worship together and develop the set out of that time. So we're doing the work, but we're also like coaching about like how sets flow together and how all these things work. So anyway, I had my first practice yesterday. And I'm like so amped up because I'm like, man, just that little bit of like really clear one-on-one time with the people that are going to be on the team for this week, like sets that like the music sounds way better because they're more confident in it. And so, and we had a great time. We're sitting around sipping our tea and playing some songs and and it was like a great time. And now this Sunday we'll be able to set up. We'll already know what we're doing. And the added benefit of it is that now I rather than like putting together my set on Saturday because I know who's coming and I'm like, okay, I can develop the set around that and trying to put that all together. Everything's already done for Sunday right now, which means that that's amazing. Like for the first time in forever, I'm actually going to have like an actual full weekend day where I don't work. 
That's amazing, man. <laughs> it's kind of like basically you kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it helps to have a uh, my wife who is very organized. And it's like, oh, well, this is how you need to organize this thing. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's a great idea, honey. Thank you. So anyway, I'm super stoked. <laughs> that's about really, really cool. I, I like I like the fact that there's people, you know, your your team's getting the buy in as well. They're, they're being considered uh, in the moment, which, you know, it's one thing to go behind closed doors and make a set list and then say, guys, the Lord has spoken. <laughs> and by the Lord, I mean me. <laughs> you know, it's much more cool if you go, hey, guys, what are you guys? And then they like, I think when they buy in and they feel like valued as far as their opinion goes, man, I think that it builds team like nobody's business. And and when you guys play the song on Sunday and it really doesn't work, you all feel it together and kind of giggle <laughs> about the fact that, hey, man. We can all crash together. <laughs> yes, it's the same as when I choose food at the restaurant. Like I don't ever buy my own dish at a at a restaurant. I always go, "What are you eating?" and "What are you eating?" and "Hey, what are you eating?" And then what I do is I pick out of the guys that I think have made the best decisions. And usually it's two or three of us because with Brenton's band it was crazy. We always all ate the same. And I, and my my reasoning was. If we have a bad meal, at least we're all sucking together. We're like, oh, I hate this meal. We made such a blunder. But there's nothing worse than looking over at, at your friend's ribeye steak when you chose pasta and going, this pasta is disgusting. And look at that steak. You can really screw up pasta, which is a weird thing. Like, <laughs> totally. That's why you go to a restaurant. You're like, really? I think pasta is the mid-tempo song of food world. Oh, man. I love pasta, though. I could, I could literally eat pasta every day. Me I too. always, I always do the the thing I always do at restaurants is I usually get down to like one or two things that I, I'm like, okay, either one of these things I'm good with. I'll take either one, but I don't know which one to decide. So I ask the waiter or the waitress, like, ah. like which one of these is your favorite? And in See? that moment, before they answer, a thought pops into my head where I go like, I hope they say the ahi. <laughs> and so like, it doesn't even matter what they say. I have now deciphered what I want. That's so amazing. Like, oh, the spaghetti and meatballs is amazing. And it's like, I'll take the ahi. That's amazing. <laughs> See, it's like fake insider trading. You don't really believe the guy. Yeah, but I, feel, <laughs> I do feel bad. It's like, hey, what's your opinion? Okay, not that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I get there and there's a little rail of a girl saying, what do you, uh, and I go, what's your favorite? She goes, the, the spinach salad minus meat. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, I really picked a winner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. awesome. Well, hey, speaking of winners... Like that transition? That was a good one. Speaking of winners, and we are going to be talking about the song that you heard right at the beginning of the of the uh, show. So the song is called "Founder and Finisher." They wrote this song with Scott Cash and Lawrence Johnson. You might know the Cash name. Uh, His brother Ed has written on everything from "How Great Is Our God" to I don't know. If it's a big song, Ed Cash has probably written it. Written the bridge. Yeah, probably written the bridge. Exactly. Nailed the bridge and. That's probably the reason why you want to sing it. Um, but anyway, we were super stoked about this song. This is the first time we've ever done this on Worship Artistry. But we wanted to start paying attention. You know, we get all the, we get all the big songs. In fact, we do a lot of our, make a lot of our choices based on what's already resonating with the church. So much goes into making a lesson that we don't, you know, for the, generally we don't want to be in the, like, in the A&R business where we're going, hey, we just found this song and did this. However... There is that heart in me, and I, th- and I think it resonates throughout our whole team, is that, you know, we understand that, you know, labels have a certain thing that they do. They, ha- they you know, they, they go down the middle of the road, they go, man, we think this is a good song, and everything kind of pushes to the middle to try and make that song really accessible. But 
at this point in time, there's a lot of people that are writing really good songs. And just because mm-hmm. they're not with a major artist or because they're not signed to a major label, you know, you might never have an opportunity to hear it. And I actually heard this song, um, I heard this probably about a year ago and was really wowed by it. I was just like, you know, I, I listen to songs and I look for the things that are wrong with them. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, and I Suddenly. wouldn't do this in my church because, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's what I look at. But um, the song Founder and Finisher, uh, these guys wrote, these guys uh, put this together. We'll hear this, We'll hear the story. But it's the first song that we've ever done that is not signed to a label. We are releasing it. We I was like, this is worth doing a full lesson for. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if people want to, if people, if it resonates with other people as it does with us. And it, I think, like, I, I think it's great. And it's not, you know, it's not done by Chris Tomlin. It's not like, it's a, it's a good recording. You know, Aaron's the, the singer on it, but he's not mm-hmm. looking to be an artist. You know, it's yeah. really just trying to share the song. And it's something that's been resonating in their community. And so we really want it to, we want to help, you know, kind of lift that up help help people make it aware so we've made the lesson and we've made it free over at worshipartistry.com so you can just we'll put a link in the description here Aaron and Steven they've all said okay you can yeah give it away for free we just want to share it that's the heart so Mm -hmm. on this podcast we're going to talk to them we're going to learn a little bit about the song some of their songwriting process and uh and where it all comes from I mean founder and finisher it's not hard to figure out it comes from Hebrews but yeah we'll learn a little bit more about that that's really, really cool. So without, awesome. without further ado, Aaron Dixon and Stephen Folden. So I am here with Aaron Dixon, Stephen Folden, two of the four writers, the founder and finisher, correct guys? Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to start off with you guys right off the bat and just talk about um, Room 519. You know, normally with worship artistry, what we do is, you know, we're, we're working with artists. And so, you know, every song lesson is the song Our God by Chris Tomlin from the album, etc. It's on one of them. I remember. Uh, passion something. All right. Yeah. I've done a lot of lessons. Um, and, we, you know, and we're always kind of starting off from that thing. This is the first time that we've ever grabbed a song that essentially you guys have talked about, like, there isn't an artist but you, but when we asked you who to put it under, you were like, "Well, put it under room 519." So I was hoping maybe we could just first start off just talking about what is room 519. Where does that even come from? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, should we just tell the story? Yeah. Um, this is Aaron, by the way. This is Aaron, and this is Stephen, <laughs> the quieter one. <laughs> yeah, my audio will be louder. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having us. Yeah, this, this is really, just really cool and honored to be able to do this. It's such a joy. Um, Sitting, actually sitting here uh, in the room mm-hmm. recording this. We are actually in room 519 <laughs> right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a very fancy sign on the outside of the door made out of masking tape. <laughs> masking tape. It's we'll an, we'll it's put a, a photo on the on the post <laughs> so people can see. It's an actual room. Yeah. People need to know that. They, yeah, for sure. Um, well, the story goes back, um, shoot, uh, eight years ago. Uh, Stephen and I were... Uh, in school together down in Southern California, and we had just be- become mu- music majors, um, switching from the world of athletics. Stephen was playing uh, college baseball, and I was playing college basketball. And when we became music majors, um, 
the Lord had closed certain doors and had opened others, and we were trusting Him and walking in faith into these uh, crazy practice rooms. <laughs> um, for me, that was a new experience, going from like locker room talk to uh, working in in practice rooms. Uh, you know, so a little quieter. Uh, yeah, a little, <laughs> a little quieter. Um, yeah, so the head of the music department, Dr. Uh, Paul Plew, um, who was a big influence in both of our lives, sat us down and was like, hey, you guys need to meet each other. And so uh, really from day one, we had similar stories. And so we started writing music together. And uh, and it started with country music, uh, pop country music. And uh, I'll turn it over to Stephen, and he can share a little bit about his, his journey. Um, but come full circle after he talks, we'll, we'll talk about how we actually came um, eight years through co-writing together and, and the Lord growing our passion for the local church and for, um, and for worship music. Um, so Stephen, we were writing for a while and then um, I got married uh, between my junior and senior year and finished school and moved back home to Bellingham, Washington. And Stephen uh, remained down in LA continuing music. Yeah, so <clears throat> we got connected um, in college, as you were saying. And uh, one of my first jobs right after college was working for a country songwriter. So Aaron mentioned country was something that he was, you know, really into at that time and still is. But um, I was working for a country songwriter named Jeff Silbar, and um, I would, I'd work at his house. He had a studio in his house. And so he'd be making these demos, and I'd be helping him make demos. And and I actually brought Aaron in to sing on a demo, <laughs> but that was like a really cool experience, like just just to kind of, um, you know, fresh out of college to have the opportunity to uh, to jump into the world of music and music um, as a career and learning like, oh, people are writing songs, you know, recording them and, um, you know, and and it's, it becomes like a viable business and something that you can actually do if you want to. Like before that, uh, before that opportunity um, is really, it's kind of like a, it's like, it's like a mystery. Hmm. This whole like songwriting and, you know, people are actually doing music for, for a living in a career. So that was a, that was a really fun opportunity to have Aaron in there. And <laughs> we were kind of in that whole like country and like pop world for a while. It was so fun, yeah. So the Lord allowed me to come back to Bellingham, and um, Stephen Folden uh, was able to uh, to work down in L.A. with some artists and um, and just to watch God take us on our journey. And he took Stephen out to Nashville um, to work with the Cash Brothers um, out there at Anchor Productions and um, to continue. Not Johnny Cash. No, Ed and Scott Cash um, to work out there with those guys. And... Um, and then the Lord brought me back to Bellingham. And so through the next few years, these are last two years, really, Stephen called me up and said, hey, Aaron, I'm working on a, I'm working on a, a really a worship project. Do you want to help? And I was honored. Um, you know, I really respect Stephen. Um, and uh, it's a guy I look up to, and I've wanted to share a lot of life with him. Um, but we've been distant in a sense of space separating us. And I got married um, pretty young, really young. And so uh, moving into a marriage relationship early on, Stephen's single, and the Lord allowed him to, to go be in the music world um, in a different way than I really got to, to experience. I was living vicariously through him and, and working at a little church here in Bellingham and actually really pleading with God, like, God, 
I don't know exactly why you let Steven and I hang out together in LA and then separated me from that. Um, but Steven was really kind to, to really look, look and say, Hey, I'm going to call Aaron and see if, you know, through Skype, if we can keep working on a project together. Um, and he didn't know it at the time, but that ministered to me in a, in a special way. Um, being up here, we just helped start a church with 50 people up here and the Lord's, you know, slowly been growing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, when we were in a tiny church and, and, and uh, you're writing songs for your local church and it's really small to get a little bit of uh, experience that's outside of that community is really fun. So, um, so we'd, we'd write these songs over Skype and then I'd show up on Sunday morning and I'd lead them at the church and I'd call Steven and I'd say, Hey man, this is working great, but maybe we could change this one thing. It didn't go over very well. And then come back to the Sunday morning experience of our home groups and, and lead it again completely different. And I think people probably got tired of that after a while, <laughs> but they were super gracious. And finally, we, we kind of came to grips with a few songs that we were pretty fairly set on um, while you were out there in Nashville. But um, anyway, I don't know, maybe maybe take over for just a second. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I moved from LA to Nashville uh, specifically to uh, kind of get out of the the country and pop world and 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 I, I i guess god gave me the desire to like really pursue um music for the church mm-hmm. and so uh what a great opportunity i had to go um you know do uh at anchor productions where ed cash and scott cash and there's cody as well but they they have the opportunity to um, have people come through there for, to do internships and so i jumped on that and it was, it was like one of the greatest times of my life to be able to see, you know, Christian men writing, <clears throat> recording, and producing Christian music and songs about the gospel and glorifying the Lord um, through that, through like every day and, and working with artists and being able to like, you know, pray with these artists before, you know, they record or write or whatever and just to... Um, just to see how, um, you know, these these guys were really, really genuine people that have been changed by the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so mo- even more than, like, the music and, and watching, um, you know, them in their craft, I think I was much more impressed by, you know, who they were as, as people. Mm-hmm. And so that was inspiring. Mm-hmm. And so I was out there for in Nashville for about three years and um, I moved back to Washington um, and then shortly after I moved back to Washington um, Aaron and I started talking about you know this idea of continuing to write songs um, that you know songs of the gospel not just for the church but songs for um, us you know personally and how mm-hmm. how we can you know take scripture and how does this affect me? Mm-hmm. How can it, how can we write something that's really singable? Yeah. Um, you know, for other people as well, but specifically how is, how can we write something that we're going to really, um, ourselves be impacted by this gospel that, that we've known for so long. We, yeah, we danced around, um, this concept of writing songs for ourselves uh, from, from the text, studying God's word and, and then putting that to melody in a memorable way that is lasting and has some timelessness to it. And um, 
and so we decided let's let's make let's make this thing official. Let's let's do this on an official capacity. Let's label it, I guess. Um, and so we we went to Ephesians five nineteen, which is where this this uh, room five one nine comes from. And uh, it says basically assembling in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. And um, it's really interesting how Ephesians is all gospel. It's like gospel, gospel, gospel. Look at what Jesus has done. Look at what Jesus has done. Look at what Jesus has done. And then it gives you these stands and basically these responses to this gospel. And one of the biggest responses that we get um, as people that have been changed by this amazing work that God's done for us, we've received this amazing gift. And one of the things we get to do is we get to sing together. Like we get to sing, sing the goodness of the gospel. And so we started boiling down what did we want to commit our lives to? Um, if we looked back on our life, would we be dissatisfied if we hadn't done something? And we kind of both came to grips. Like if we don't use the gifts that God's given us and the passion for the gospel that he's given us in response to this amazing love that he's shown us, we don't write songs that are going to minister to us individually and then our families and our home groups that we're a part of. Um, we looked at each other and said we think that that probably be something we would we would be frustrated with at the end of our life if we looked back and hadn't done that. So that's how this space came to be. Um, I get to work on staff at Grace Church Bellingham. It's a wonderful body. Uh, Dax Swanson's the head pastor here. He's just a joy to serve with. And I went to Dax and said, hey, can we come up with a small budget um, to create an album for our church? And, um, and so that's what we started doing. Um, and in turn, Room 519 birthed uh, out of that. We hired Stephen to come up and um, and produce this album, but it was much greater than just a Grace Church Bellingham album. Um, we ended up calling it a Grace Collective because we we were able to uh, we were able to really hang with so many different local church families in the area and. Um, and, and lots of different people represented that don't necessarily call Grace Church Bellingham their home. Um, we created this room. We spent weeks um, tearing down old fences and staining them and building this wall and hanging instruments and ripping out a piano and just gutting it and putting it in a space and putting lighting in it and taking the keys and putting them up on the wall and just the warmth, sound, you know, sound, uh, working with sound and and uh, creating a warm environment um, where we get to come together and do just that. <clears throat> Respond to Ephesians 5.19, um, meeting together in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And uh, that's really, it doesn't just end here. We take that and we go to the groups that the Lord's allowed us to share life with. And we do that on a regular basis. Um, sing, make a melody in your heart to the Lord. So that's kind of the concept of of room five room five room five one nine there's your answer there you go yeah. <laughs> i called it 519 is that okay does it does it matter that doesn't matter 519 519 people get to ephesians 519 and recognize <laughs> recognize there's massive significance in what we get to do as christians yeah. in song it's a special thing well i've noticed something from you know having to get you know i've known you guys for a little while and having uh, gotten to see hear a number of the songs that you've been writing you know mm. one thing that i think is really interesting about your approach to music is the way I think about it is that, you know, um, when you're writing worship songs, when you're writing songs about God, you know, I, I, there's some that I feel like are these these songs that are just kind of they just kind of float out there. It's a little hard to hold, and they're almost like they're almost light. They serve a really they serve an important purpose, 
but it's like you guys write rocks. I mean, you founder and finisher, you guys pulled that straight from the text and you're just sitting there like, yes, this is, this is a rock of our faith. This is who God is. Um, what was it about that particular passage that spoke to you? Hmm. I'm going to let Steven dive into that at first. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> I think probably for the maybe last 10 or 15 years, um, uh, well, let me just back up. So my dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church. I became a Christian at a young age. <clears throat> and um, almost, I probably, probably all throughout life, every once in a while, I'll hear um, the, the phrase, you know, author and perfecter of our faith. Um, and that comes out of Hebrews 12. And uh, maybe... You know, just I don't know. Maybe every two or three years, I would I would come I'd hear that or come across. It. I was like, you know, that like kind of struck me mm-hmm. as like a, a powerful statement. Um, and then I'd also hear a couple songs um, uh, that kind of tried to address that issue. I was like, man, one of, one of these days, I'd love to write a song like just th- to hash that out mm-hmm. um, because we're all on a a different journey in life through this, th- you know our spiritual journey and God is leading us through a lot of different things. And so the older I get, the more people I meet, the more stories I hear. It's just amazing to see how, um, how God is working in everybody's life so differently, but he still is. And so the idea of like author and perfecter, um, has been around for a while in kind of in my head. Mm -hmm. And then like Aaron was talking about, we were, when I was in Nashville, we were Skyping back and forth, you know, writing, and what I don't even remember what, remember what happened. Um, yeah, for everyone's listening, I mean, <laughs> you guys understand songwriting is a unique craft, and sometimes the Lord just allows allows a certain phrase or a certain melody to just come out of nowhere by the power of His Spirit, really, probably. And it's it's um, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah. we look back on this song; it's been a long journey, so it's. Honestly, it's a write, rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. Uh, it didn't just happen in in a, in a weekend. This is like a lot of years in the making. Um, yeah. And actually, all the songs on the album have taken multiple years. So it's it's not. It wouldn't be something we'd say, "Hey, you know, we were just in in Hebrews 12, and then bam, we got it." Like, no, we we wrote it, and then we studied Hebrews more, and then we wrote it, and then we listened to some sermons, and then we kept writing, and it kept. It kept going. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure we were working on a different song when we actually wrote mm-hmm. wrote Founder and Fi- like we wrote the chorus. Yep. It was like a it was like a it was like a secondary thought yeah. or a, a different thought mm-hmm. to the song we were working on. Um, but yeah, that so we that kind of started that whole idea of actually hashing out um, author and perfecter, you know, founder and finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how it started. Yeah. And then you guys, you know, you guys are two of the writers. I mean, I, I think of you guys as the primary writers, but I know that Scott Cash is on it. And then also... Lars Johnston. Lars Johnston, yep. yep. And so how did that work? Were you guys all working together at the same time? Is that somebody coming up and going, man, what if we said this verse? How, like, how does, how does that play out? Like, some people really, really get the concept of, of co-writing mm-hmm. and, you know, what that brings to the table. But, you know, sometimes you think, man, sometimes four guys in the room all working on a song like what what is that like mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, it I, actually actually wasn't ever four guys in a room. No. <laughs> so as we just talked about, as Aaron and I uh, were Skyping, mm-hmm. so we we're, weren't even in the same room, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we were Skyping yeah. and started that. Um, and then uh, what happened after that? I mean, it was interesting. You know, the way, the way it works is, you know, Stephen would have an idea and then he would kick it off to myself and Lairs. Um, and at different points, you know, I'd be listening in my headphones on a drive to work and I'd be thinking of different melodies um, to put with a text that we were thinking through and sit down at a piano, hash out some different ideas and send them over to him just all through the iPhone, you know, just mm-hmm. through like sound recorder or whatever. And then Lair's on his end, he's a brilliant lyricist. Um, and so Lair's just is, does an unbelievable job of, of taking ideas and, and um, helping put a picture to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a gift that just God's given him. And so um, he helped with a couple phrases. And um, and so, you know, then when you, you, we brought Scott in on the tail end, really, we had showed Scott and Ed some different songs and basically they rate them. They go mm-hmm. to separate rooms and they rate them. And if they're rated four or five, they'll work with them. If they're three and below, they're, they're good songs, but they're probably not something they can work with. Well, they rated Founder and Finisher really high. They both did separately. So that was that was something they wanted to work with. And so um, Scott was excited to, to help. And so Scott was influential um, in Founder and Finisher as well. So I think when you co-write, just something that I'm learning and growing in is I used to keep my art really, really to myself. Mm-hmm. But I think the Lord's, I think the Lord has the ability to use the gifts that different people bring to the table. And when you're able to look at something and open it up and say, okay, here's something I've been working on, but I know it's not just my thing. I know that somebody else can bring something to it that's special and unique um, because we're all gifted different. So Stephen really was willing to do that. And he had a level of humility in his art. Um, It would probably been amazing if he kept it and just did it himself. But he was willing to bring me in. He was willing to bring Lairs in. He was willing to bring Scott in. And so through that, the Lord allowed it to be what it is now. Um, and we sing it all the time at our church, and it's amazing. We just sang it on Sunday. It was our starter song. Um, and, uh, yeah, huge, huge joy to be a part of it. Okay, speak a little bit to the the recording of it. You know, one of the things that, you know, this song jumped out out at me Um in case you guys haven't picked it up, I mean, we're all from the same, we're in the same room, which I rarely ever get to do <laughs> with anything on worship artistry since we're spread all over the place. Hmm. Um, but, you know, Aaron actually showed me this song. I hadn't even met Steven yet. And we were just kind of meeting and just kind of somebody, somebody had connected us and been like, oh, mm-hmm. you guys should hang out. You guys are both into worship stuff. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Had a coffee and, you know, played some songs for each other and that sort of thing. And, and this song really stuck out to me right, right away. And it like stayed with me. Like I, it kind of hooked in my brain a little bit. And I was like, I want to come back to that one. Like hmm. it, like secretly way back there, I didn't say anything about it, but I'm like, man, I could see us doing a song like this on worship artistry because it's always been, it's always been my heart that we, I've always had a heart for, for songwriters who don't have the big machine behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's some really great stuff out there. I, I'm one of those songwriters, yeah, you know? Totally. And so it's like, you know, it's 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 hard. A lot of times you're sitting there, just you, people in your church are coming up, going, "Where do I get that song?" And you're like, "You don't." <laughs> I could record it with an iPhone and send it to you. You know, yeah. like that's uh, 
that's that's the world and so um but at the same time with worship artistry we obviously have to do something that's a quality a quality song and a quality recording mm -hmm. you know we want something that can stand up next to the latest hillsong record mm -hmm. and the latest chris tomlin and mm -hmm. you know those guys are always the go-to's everybody talks about we have a bunch more artists but those are the <laughs> mm -hmm. two that you always kind of think of right mm -hmm. and um and so in, tell me a little bit about the process of actually taking this song now that you've been working on, that you've been writing, that you've been recording on iPhones hmm. and actually putting the production to it that makes it so people can actually hear it. Like I always think, yeah, it would be, you know, like I said, when somebody asks you, oh, can I get a recording of this song? It's like, if I'm going to make it available to you, I want to do it in a way that you can actually hear it. Hmm. Because if you get a lousy recording, I mean, I've talked to guys, we've had a uh, Chad, Segura from Centricity Music on the Eurocentric Worship mm -hmm. on the podcast uh, last season, and you know this guy's been listening to music forever, and he you know his comment was, "Hey, you know what? We'd all love to sit here and say like, oh, I can hear the song through that iPhone recording, but he's like, no. I mean, there's people that just make their living making demos. Like, hmm. there's something about presenting a song in the in the way that other people can hear it. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about taking this song that you've been working on and hashing out." And actually turning it into something that can be received, not just by your congregation on Sunday, but by the, the church at large. Sure. Well, I mean, this this one was unique. Um, you know, we we uh, the Lord the Lord allowed my my wife and I to have two beautiful little girls, and um, my oldest daughter was three at the time, and. Uh, Lairs and I uh, kind of set up a little daddy-daughter date where I took my little three-year-old out on a daddy-daughter date and we filmed it. And so myself, Stephen, and Lairs wrote a song for it. We made a little music video and uh, and we put it out and then it went viral on YouTube. And so um, through that... Like, hold on, just so you understand, like how many views are we talking about? People use the word viral all the time, but go ahead and... Well, on YouTube, I think it probably has 12 million views. Um, but there's a lot of other avenues that it was shared. So um, just to give it a context, there's a guy in New York, and off of his Facebook page alone, it has 1.8 million shares mm -hmm. just off of his page. So that's that's a lot of views. Um, it's a few. Yeah. yeah. More people see it than watch the Super Bowl, I guess I'd say. So a lot of people have seen this video. Well, we weren't planning on that. That was not the intent. But the Lord used that, just like he does that in our life. You know, he, that's how he works. He used that to allow us to develop a relationship with Ed and Scott Cash. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to do a follow-up project to that video. Mm -hmm. So Stephen and I went out to Nashville uh, to do uh, a song called Daddy's Little Girl, which we were going to release Daddy's Little Girl as another music video to help promote dads and daughters' relationships. And all stemming from this concept of the Father Heart of God. like. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who wants a relationship with us, who cares deeply about us. And so God just gave me two little girls. So a way I get to semi-mirror that, and I don't do that perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, just a sinner like every other guy. But we do as men, as dads, we get to love our kids and to share the gospel with them. And so one of the ways we get to do that is spend good time, quality time with our kids. And so my oldest daughter um, just had this viral personality that people you know really were able to connect with well uh so we went out to, to nashville to record daddy's little girl so we really were out there for a weekend it was a whirlwind um we're out there for a weekend 
And they had already worked with Founder and Finisher. We had already been co-writing with Scott for the last six months prior to this. So when we got out there, we recorded Daddy's Little Girl. And then we basically, in the midst of, of like writing and recording Daddy's Little Girl with Ed and Scott, we would stop. And Scott would like turn on a click track. And then we kind of set the tempo. And then he'd start hashing out on an acoustic guitar, like the feel for Founder and Finisher. And then we'd go back to like recording some more of Daddy's Little Girl. And then we'd take a break and we'd go into some more Founder and Finisher. And we'd sing it together, the, you know, the guys that were in the basement there recording in his home studio. And, um, and then the day before I had to get, or the day we had to get on a plane, uh, Cody uh, came in and was like, okay. He's like, I'm going to record your vocal for Founder and Finisher. And it was kind of like, whoa, what do you, wh really? Like we get to record this while I'm here? I thought I was just here to record Daddy's Little Girl. And we did. We recorded a, a vocal for it, and then I got on a plane with Steven, and we flew back home. And honestly, didn't think much of it. Well, they loved it, and so they they continued tracking it and finished it up, and then we had some interaction with what we wanted to hear on it that was maybe slightly different than what they wanted. But that song, um, the gift that we have in Founder and Finisher, um, is what birthed the album that we've been working on. Mm -hmm. And so we basically took nine tracks to surround Founder and Finisher. Mm -hmm. Um, to have this Grace Collective um, full album. Um, yeah, does that answer that question at all? Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 always, so you, so you were we, saying that, they, so they did a lot we of had, work without we had, you and then kind of brought it. Well, we had scratch right. tracks. I mean, uh -huh. Steven, Steven's an incredible producer. He's produced this entire album and um, we had scratch tracks and even some, probably some MIDI instrumentation and a feel and I don't know if we had a drummer come in or not. Yeah. So the the short answer is they produced it out at Anchor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, <laughs> all that. Aaron Aaron says things in like three hundred words, and and Stephen can sum it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so when we wrote the song, uh, yeah, we there's we did like three or four demos to get feel different feels, mm -hmm. um, but when it came down to getting the final final production that was done at Anchor, uh, with uh, you know Scott did it out there in Nashville. Um, it basically started with um, tracking the acoustic guitar and a vocal mm -hmm. to a click. And then from there, it was produced. So, so, you know, I mean, I know for myself when I'm writing something, I have like full instrumentation in my head and then I go and play it on my acoustic guitar, right? <laughs> like, like, how, like how close would you say, like wh where it is now, the arrangement that it is, like how how much has it changed from when you first envisioned it? I just think that'd be interesting for some yeah, songwriters. That's to really hear bad. <laughs> well, how about a better question? Where do we hear it? Where is our favorite version of Founder and Finisher right now? You better say Worship Artistry because I just spent a long time. Heck on that song. yes, it is so so good. But I think some of our I think some of our most enjoyable moments with this song um, are sitting around a campfire. Mm -hmm. Um, really stripped down. Sure. Um, simple acoustic, uh, maybe a couple acoustics, maybe a cajon or something. Yeah. Um, really simple. Uh, I think that's one of the beauties of this song is that you can do it full production and it works so well on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. it, it is such a brilliant um, song in a set and it also works so well around a campfire. Um, there's something special about it. And so we really enjoy it in that way right now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but I don't know if that that helps. But that 
So where would we hear it? Do we hear it where it is right now? Yeah. yeah. Do you hear it where? I mean, I think it's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's one of those things where you, when you listen, when I listen to, it, I'm like, I, I I could get excited about it mm-hmm. for sure. So I think what Aaron's trying to say is like, <laughs> the, 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 I can narrow it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me just. I'm like a big idea guy. Let me interpret it. Uh, like the track, the track as it's produced is like upbeat, gets you excited, whatever. It's it's a great, it's a great way to do it. If if it's like on a Sunday morning, it's like a, a number one or two song. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, this summer we had a, a church camp, and, and like Aaron was saying, we did it around a campfire. And we did it totally different. It was stripped mm-hmm. down, acoustic, slower, and it was it was really cool. Kind of like how you teach it with your just just your oh, simple yeah, acoustic solo, version. Solo acoustic one, yeah, yeah, if you haven't looked at the solo acoustic version yet, go look at it because there's there is enough going on even just in that to make to make your campfire experience incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, guys, we I mean. You know, I was excited. I was excited. It was finally like, okay, I think we've got the place to do this now. We've got the room to do it in our schedule. And, uh, and guys, I just appreciate you guys allowing us to, to take it and kind of like get our hands on it. And hmm. my hope is that, you know, we, you know, we've made it free, which is something that you don't always get at Worship Artistry. You know, we have our free accounts and different things, but this is like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to sign up for anything. No email required, <laughs> no nothing. It's just like, Go and check out this song. Yeah. You can go to uh, worshipartistry.com. It's the sample lesson, or we'll put a link in the description as well so you, people can learn it. And the hope is that you know you take it and make it your own. That's kind of one of the cool things about, like you're saying from this perspective, which I love, is that rather than having it be like, here's the definitive recording, play it exactly like this all the time. Like You can totally do that, and it sounds amazing. Yeah. But I love hearing the songwriter's heart and the, the pastor's heart yeah. in you guys that's like, but just take it. Well, I mean, to speak to that, I know we got to come to a close here, but I'll tell you this. My my mom um, is a great musician, um, but she is nearly 60 years old, and um, she hasn't really done music at the church, corporate church level now for a few years. Um, but what I'll say is that in the last few weeks um, through, the, through worship artistry, she has a little Kali U mini bass that has nylon strings, and we do a home group every Thursday night, and she plays bass. Awesome. So I show up about an hour and a half early to basically walk her through all the songs we're going to do, and she's able to get most of those, most of those notes. Mm-hmm. Um, she called me two days ago and went off on how cool <laughs> worship artistry is. And yes. No, it's amazing. You know, this Thank is Thank you Mrs. Dixon. This is <laughs> Yeah, this is amazing because I'm I'm I got to get her an account and and really um it's it's a testament really, you know, a testimony even to the brilliance of of what you guys are doing because I'm grateful now because my mom has a as a tool to be able to go learn all the songs we're doing on Sunday mornings. And um you can't really get that you can't get that. Any, I can't go give her, you know, an hour every single day of my time to work her through all these great tunes that you guys have put this time into. But it's there, and she can do it. Now she's calling me passionate about these songs she's learning, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now you can go get three more free ones, and then you need to get a subscription. And when you get your <laughs> subscription, you can get whatever you want. And she's like, okay, but can you walk me through how to do that? And yes, I can walk <laughs> her through it. And um, And she's like, okay, but when I meet with you, on, on this Thursday, can you do it in B flat? Because that's what I'm learning it in. I'm like, yep, we're going to do it in B flat for you, you know? And, um, it's just so fun to hear your mom excited <laughs> about playing her bass guitar 
at her house to lead people in worship. Huh. And so that, I th- I'm thankful. So thanks, Jason, oh, for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we did. That's one of my favorite. You know, we've had some ad, like sometimes people call in and just leave a message or email us or whatever. And that is like, that's by far my favorite one is, is hearing, hearing kind of like a, adults who are like, I've always wanted to do this. And then also I love hearing kids. Like there is a, there is a kid, uh, he's on Facebook. I'm going to blank on his name. It's like his last name was like Mubarak or something. I don't know because I'm just reading. I'm the worst with names. If you heard any of the member mail, it's just like, I don't know. I'm just going to make up a name. Um, but it like made my Christmas season when his dad linked a video of him playing my arrangement of Silent Night. Yeah. And I was just like, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know, so getting access to to music and then for that music to be able to be used in worship and corporately and serve the body is like the greatest thing in the world mm-hmm. but this isn't about worship artistry this is you guys <laughs> guys the lesson uh, is free and the song is called Founder and Finisher and uh, you can check it out it's on our we've got the lyric video on our Facebook page as well as our YouTube uh, you can go check it out in the green room um, or at worshipartistry.com slash green room just do a search for Founder and Finisher and like I said, there are there's also the free lessons. So we really encourage you to go check it out, learn it. It's a great song. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, thank thanks you for, so having much us, for having us, Jason. Man, you can really tell uh, when people that are connected to their, their local body or to their local church uh, are talking about, about leading. And, you know, I've, over the years I've played with people that are just touring songwriters and then I've, I've played with people that are actually leading worship in their church and you can always tell the songs that are coming out of people that are spe- from from people that are spending time with their congregation uh, with one group of people instead of just running around with you know playing in front of people they're actually they're connecting with their home church it's an amazing thing to see what comes out of that the wealth the wealth that comes out of it not only lyrically and not only musically but the heart behind it all uh, the reason why they write the songs is pretty it's pretty amazing yeah it's beautiful well, uh, the song is Founder and Finisher, and uh, it's by Room 519. That's the, the name that we put it under. That's the kind of where their songs are coming out of, and uh, which you heard in the interview. So um, go check it out. It's free. You can go. We have a lyric video on our Facebook page, so you can just kind of hear the song on its own. It all, we also have a little section of it in the green room at worshipartistry.com slash green room. If you just do a search, Founder and Finisher, you will find it. Uh, so, Daniel, okay, blah, 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 enough of us talking. What time is it? It's member mail. <laughs> 12.32. <no>. It's <laughs> time for member mail, and that means hit it. Okay, man, Today, uh, today's member mail comes to us. This is I haven't showed you this one. This is actually technically not a member mail. Somebody posted this comment, and I'm just going to call this a uh, really nice athlete because, <laughs> because Beth Majors, Majors, Maggers, I'm going to say Majors. Yeah. That sounds better. Uh, she posted this on one of our comment threads, and I was just like, this is awesome. I'm going to share this. Normally we do like some kind of question or something, but every once in a while, if you nail us with a, uh, a basically this is just a big compliment to you, Daniel. So I was like, I'm oh, gonna awesome. go ahead and grab this. Why not? So uh, this is, she says, I can't finish my workout. Hi guys, I love listening to the podcast when I'm doing my workout. Twice now I've started this podcast and had to pause it because I have burst out into laughter during Daniel's story of his friend getting hit by a 300 pound zip liner. So funny. <laughs> Uh, not so funny when it's you being hit by the supply. 
But she says, I usually get a look of disdain from the meatheads in the gym with me, but I just can't help it. Thanks for lightening my load. You guys are great. Thanks so much for what you do and the hearts of humility and laughter you bring. So awesome. Beth, thank you. You know, we love we love the encouraging notes. We love when people just talk about how they're enjoying what we're doing and it gets us amped and and uh and keeps us rolling so keep that kind of stuff coming and if you also have a question or anything that you want to share with us please feel free to do it and uh you can either you can either hit us up on our member mail post which is in the green room just search member mail put a comment there you can also email us support at worshipartistry.com those get to us as well and then also just hit us up on Facebook and uh, you can just comment on there, comment on anything there. We hang out there a lot. So when you're over there, you're not getting like some robot that's responding. You're you're getting us. So if you want to chat with us, that's a great way to do it. Um, I'm going to call that I'm going to call that a wrap. What do you say? I say that's awesome. I All say right. glory days are upon us. All Happy right. New Year again. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year. Well, I started getting like texts and things from people like, so is the podcast coming back? I was like, I said we'd be back in January. I didn't say what day in January. Yeah, I couldn't reach my mic. All you created, you formed the world with your hands. So let us run, for you are maker, leaving behind all our sins. Christ our Savior
founder and finisher, perfecter of 